L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. Our compatriot goal is on adventures. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, all mission control decant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. It's that time of the week where Matt and I like to put our money where our mics are uh, and hear from the best part of this show, uh, which is you, uh, specifically you. And we have, uh, I think we mentioned this in uh, an earlier episode or an earlier listener mail segment. We have done it. Paul, can we get some kind of sound effect of just like riotous applause? Uh, music, trumpets, or drums. Or there, there it is. Yes, yes. That. Air horns. Maybe gunshot. Okay, I'm overdoing it. I'm really good, man. There it is. Perfect, Matt. Perfect. Uh, we're celebrating because uh, because we we got together and you know we've talked for a while in the past about how uh, we were somewhat overwhelmed by all the amazing calls we get specifically, uh, and we have a system that Matt created to go through every one of your calls, hopefully before the like our system expires them, and then log them 
and figure out uh, how, how to respond, uh, figure out what trends are there, things like that. So we instituted something we should have called Operation Scorch Mail, uh, but we <laughs> scorch voicemail, uh, whatever we called it. Uh, and we are pretty much up to date, which means we have hundreds of calls that we have heard from you, specifically you. And today, Matt, I was thinking uh, that you and I could uh, take a couple of these around the block. Uh, unfortunately, we can't yet do an episode that's in blocks of 100 voicemails. Uh, I think... <laughs> I we can we can people. test it. Or we'll see what you guys think, but uh, right. <laughs> I don't know. So right now we're still keeping it to a uh, to a three act structure. However, uh, we've got a uh, uh, something a little different. We're trying at the end uh, that we hope you enjoy uh, and let us know if it works for you because we're always we're always a work in progress here on stuff they don't want you to know. Uh, Matt, you and I talked briefly about this first voicemail. Uh, that I can't wait to get your take on this because this is some, it's unbelievable that we haven't talked about this yet. All right. Well, let's play it. Hi, my name's Ernest. I am a big fan of the show, new listener, but still a big fan. And there's a giant pool of mercury that was found. I forget where it was on ancient aliens once, but they found a giant pool of mercury and they were talking about how superconductors, if they're kept cold enough, actually hover on mercury which is crazy i don't know if you guys had heard about this uh there's like theories and such about how that's how the pyramids were built and all that unexplainable phenomenons from our, our you know five thousand years ago it'd be great to have you guys do a, a, a spot about it because i don't really know much about it and i can't really find a lot of information on it uh thanks have a great day nice Thank you, Ernest, and uh, welcome aboard, man. Thanks for checking out the show. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, first of all, we're talking about ancient aliens. Mm -hmm. Now, anyone who's been listening all to this right. show for a long time, you know, we love us some ancient aliens. But you take those with a meteor-sized grain of salt, but there's still stuff in there that is fascinating and that is worth looking into. And my goodness, this is one I had never heard of, Ben. Yeah, it's one of those. Uh, so longtime listeners know that Matt and I were definitely kind of bookworms. We're always reading about things like the, I, I still have my entire collection of the Time Life Mysteries of the Unknown set. Uh, and <laughs> that's true. Yes, I wouldn't shut up about it. Uh, and this is something that I place squarely in the world of stuff they don't want you to know. If any of this is true, then this could be hidden history. So, Ernest, what we'd like to do is reply to what I see as three points in, in your wonderful message, uh, and then we'll take them one by one. Uh, so first, the, maybe the smallest point to get out of the way, yes, at temperatures below about four degrees Kelvin, Mercury does become a superconductor. The next question is, how cold is 4 degrees Kelvin? In Fahrenheit, 4 degrees Kelvin is equal to negative 452.47 degrees Fahrenheit or negative 269.15 degrees Celsius for the rest of the world. 
So uh, this this is quite a burden, right? If you want to create a superconductor with mercury, uh, the first thing you have to do is figure out how to get it that cold. Uh, and how to keep we, it that cold. Yeah, more importantly, how to keep it that cold uh, long enough for it to do what you want it to do. And uh, frankly, from everything we understand about ancient uses of mercury, and probably didn't have the technology to do this on a reliable, reproducible scale. Next point, Ernest. Yes, liquid mercury has been found in ancient sites. It's been found in uh, ancient tombs. There was liquid mercury found under a pyramid in Mexico. Uh, there's a great story about that uh, from The Guardian in 2015. Uh, this, the Mercury they found, still in liquid form, of course, it's at the end of a tunnel beneath this Mexican pyramid known as the Pyramid of the Feathered Serpent. This is in uh, Tantuacan, the city uh, in, or the ruins of a city in central Mexico. And the folks who found this, you know, they're legit archaeologists. They're not, they're not just trying to get news stories because they're publishing a book or something like that. This is their work. This is their job. These are their careers. Uh, mercury is, is weird because as far as the experts know, in the case of Mesoamerica, uh, mercury didn't have an, a readily apparent practical purpose, but it has been discovered at other sites. So because it's been found at other ancient sites in this part of the world, it leads us to believe or to reasonably assume that mercury at least served a symbolic purpose. Of course, there's always the possibility that it served some practical purpose uh, that we in 2021 don't understand. It could have been, according to one guy, Dr. Gomez, uh, Sergio Gomez, it could have been symbolic of an underworld river or lake. I don't know. What do you think about all this so far, Matt? Well, the first thing I think is uh, eight, what is it? 1,800 years ago, roughly, or something like that, when when these folks were entombed, or at least this one in Teotihuacan, how did they get the mercury there? How did they get a pool of mercury? And how badly mm -hmm. poisoned was that person or persons <laughs> that moved all that mercury? Um, no, I, I totally see what you're saying, because it doesn't make much sense. If you are imagining yourself in our current understanding of what life was like for humans uh, in that time, what would you use mercury for outside of, like you said, some kind of uh, symbolic purpose? Um, and in the big question here, and the one that Ernest puts forth is, well, maybe there is a different purpose that was practical that has something to do with a, maybe a technology we just didn't know about or don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, this is the thing. Okay, there's another thing you need to know about this tomb, Ernest. Uh, there's other stuff that is yet to be explained uh, in, in different parts of this complex. In 2013, archaeologists were using a robot, how cool is that, uh, to explore an unexcavated portion of a tunnel, and there they found these metallic spheres that they called disco balls near some pyrite mirrors. Uh, they called them, <laughs> yeah, because why not? They called them disco balls because it's unique. They didn't know what to make of it. So it was up to them. It's kind of like when you're a, um, 
If you're a biologist, you know, a biologist in days of old might discover an animal or an organism they completely didn't understand, and they would just sort of name it after something they were familiar with, or name it after a mentor or a teacher that inspired them. Or, of course, because they're humans, they would name it after themselves. So they, they would be like, and I don't think, Matt, I don't think you would ever do this. Uh, we'll pick on Paul today. They would be like, I'm naming this Paul's Komodo. This is Paul's lizard. Everybody call it that. And then, you know, people would run with it. So maybe, maybe in the future, these things will just continually be referred to as disco balls. So the point is, there's weird stuff here, more so than just the liquid mercury that's yet to be explained. We know that Mesoamerican societies could produce liquid mercury, and we know how they did it. They took cinnabar, mercury ore, they used cinnabar to create uh, the red pigment that was used in the society for decorating royalty and jade objects and artifacts. So in the process of heating this ore, they could make liquid mercury. So this is, this is something that's known. However, if someone says, okay, the ancient alien folks are taking one weird tomb in Mesoamerica, and they're just, they're stretching it to make an episode. There's another part of the world, ancient China, where uh, there's also mercury. The first emperor of China, Qin Shi Huang, uh, died in 210 BCE. He created the first unified nation of China. And in central China, his tomb is uh, surrounded, it's like buried in this hill, and it's surrounded by this moat of mercury. Uh, it's, yeah, so they did it too. That brings us to other things. So did they independently, these civilizations, did they independently decide that Mercury was the jam for prominent dead people in their civilization? Or did they find some kind of efficacy there that we don't understand? You know, maybe the most, one of the more out there ideas is were they in contact somehow that is yet to be documented? And did someone in ancient China, uh, which predated what this Mesoamerican tomb, did they somehow traverse the Pacific and say, among other things, hey, you know what's cool? Putting mercury in the tombs of your prominent cadavers. Man, you know, we talk about this all the time in just our thinking and just all of us, our thinking has to be measured a lot and refined when we just from our, even our history classes, stuff that's in textbooks when you're growing up and going to primary school and stuff like that. Just how we have to reshape our brains a little bit when we're thinking about societies that have come before us to make sure we're not, you know, on some high horse, right. uh, no matter where you're from or what you look like or where you come from. Just make sure you're not looking down on 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 people and cultures mm -hmm. and I, I have to say I'm flummoxed when it comes to this mercury, but I, unless it really is just what you're saying, because I can totally see the reflective nature of it. The strange, I mean, mercury, if you look at mercury right now in so 2021, cool. it's weird. It so doesn't. Cool. Yeah, it's so cool. It doesn't seem real. It doesn't seem right. Any, any liquefied metal just feels very strange. Uh, especially one that's at room temperature or just, you know, sitting on the ground or in a cup or something and still looks like that. Mm -hmm. um, it seems to be imbued with special properties because in a way it kind of is. Very much so. Yeah. And that's, that's an excellent observation. I mean, 
for anybody, you and I have talked about this before when we looked into uh, things like megaliths or we looked into stone circles, these ancient feats of amazing engineering. Um, the past is really a conversation. The past is a series of evolving questions that we're ultimately asking of ourselves and our predecessors. And whenever somebody gets on a high horse about uh, people of years and millennia gone by, myself included, uh, we always have to remind ourselves, if you traveled back in time to the time of the people you're dunking on, the odds are overwhelming that you would be kind of useless. Like that we would be kind of useless. We wouldn't, I mean, we might have a leg up uh, on certain diseases. Uh, we might have an understanding of certain things, but like, could you build a solar panel? Could you build a television? Could you build a car or a gun? For most people, probably not. Uh, and then think of all the things that the average person nowadays can't do that the average person back then probably could. Like, can you grow and maintain a crop and see it through for a year such that you can feed yourself? If you say crops are boring, well, can you hunt? Can you make the tools you need to hunt? Let's stop dunking on these people. It's, they're different, varied knowledge sets. And I know there are a select few of you out there who can do this with, without even question, without even thinking about it. But can you effectively start a fire from nothing? That is so much more difficult than it sounds. Uh, well, unless, unless you get trained or you're an Eagle Scout, Ben. Or, you know, you've just watched a couple of YouTube videos, which you can do and teach yourself, but mm. it is still difficult, even if you know how to do it. I'm going to say this, and this is just my opinion. Some people may disagree, Matt. Lighting a fire, the, the like old fashioned, I just went out in the woods and found the stuff to make a fire, lighting a fire. It sucks. Yeah, it, it really does. Just, just get some flint with you. Just carry a lighter and don't mess it up. It's just like, or waterproof matches, that's fine too. It's just like the 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 bow and the stick method. It's just mm. get a tinderbox. Yeah, get a tinderbox. Yeah, this will sound weird out of context, but we love fires. Here is stuff they don't want you to know. It's an important piece of human technology. Well, it's not really human technology. It's just something in the natural world that we've managed to work with, but never quite domesticate or tame. Uh, the mercury thing. Right. So we know we know there's a mystery afoot. It's happening in what current understanding tells us is two uh two different cultures, minimum. There are probably more, two different cultures divided by geographic space and divided by linear time. We're doing relatively similar things with Mercury. We do know a little bit more, like archaeologists haven't even agreed on the proper name of the Mesoamerican society that we just mentioned, but we do know a little bit more about this time in ancient China because we have documents from that time, actual physical writing from this time. And the, the story is that at the time, ancient Chinese thought said that Mercury could bestow immortality. So the emperor was taking mercury pills to help uh, elongate his lifespan, and that probably killed him. By the age of 39, died pretty, uh, pretty comparatively young for the modern era. Wow. So they thought it was medicinal, and uh, that belief would prove to be incorrect. I, 
don't want to spend our whole time on this, but I do want to set up something that will be our, our a full episode in the future. Ernest, I hope you tune in. The third point you made that really, I don't know about you, Matt, stuck with me. Could this be used to levitate things? Was this in some way powering something? So what's interesting about this is that there is something called Vimana, uh, these mythological flying chariots or palaces that are described um, that are described in ancient Sanskrit and Hindu texts as though they are real. They're like they're described as not in like a hey, let me tell you a fun story kind of thing. They're they're described as though they are actual uh, vehicles or cars or chariots of the gods. And I don't want to spoil too much of that at this point, but Ernest, it's on our minds as well. And uh, we would like to make this a future episode. So thank you for calling. I hope that uh, it's interesting to to learn that we can confirm uh, at least two of the three things you mentioned. Uh, Mercury is a superconductor at a very low temperature. Uh, it has yet to be explained why ancient civilizations that seem to have never met would treat it uh, with the same sort of, or hold it in the same high regard. And and if you want to watch that Ancient Aliens episode that Ernest mentioned, it is, at least according to this website that I'm looking at, Season 11, Episode 4, and it's called The Mercury Connection. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward, inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. 
Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. And we've returned. Uh, Matt, I can't be the only person who is having this weird vibe. I, I hated this weird vibe that I've been feeling all pandemic. Like you go somewhere you're at the grocery store, you have to go out and then someone coughs. Yeah. And the, and the energy in the room changes uh, because the the question, the big badger in the bag is, is this a common cold or is this COVID? Hey guys, this is Luke here. I'm calling out of Georgia. I would definitely like for you guys to uh, use this on air. Uh, I would love to know what you think about it. I know we've talked a lot, you guys talked a lot about COVID lately, and I know you guys have done a couple episodes on it and uh, talked about, you know, maybe it being a conspiracy. Uh, I also have a theory of my own. Uh, I believe that it is a conspiracy very much as well. And I believe that COVID is nothing more than the common flu, maybe just another strand of it. And the social media and the news, I believe, is just exploiting, you know, all this information about it as far as death toll and, you know, hospitalizations and everything like this. But what I find really interesting is on really any uh, local news, uh, social media, I've not seen really anything about uh, flu deaths this year and the death toll on the common flu. I find that very odd. Uh, I just, I'd, I'd like to know what you guys maybe thought about this. If you don't mind, yeah. Uh, thanks, guys. Got it. All right, Luke from Georgia. Uh, it's nice to hear from a Georgia boy. Agreed. Hey, man. <laughs> um, so this is a this is a bit of, of a tough one, Luke. But it's I have to say something that personally has been on my mind. Thinking about influenza and you know the coronavirus, and just since the end of 2019, really what what's what's been happening as far as the flu and deaths that are associated with it? Because you know if you listen to the news, you look at the statistics, you know that a lot of people worldwide get very, very sick from common influenza, whatever is most common that season, and many die. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's just talk about that. We're going to talk about a couple different things that we have found and also what we've been hearing. So the first thing I want to point to is the CDC and their numbers that they have on their website, cdc.gov, when it comes to influenza uh, by season in the United States. There is... There's a, it's not really an article. There's a page you can find. It's called Past Seasons Estimated Influenza Disease Burden. And on here, you will find a grid. It, it tells you the number of symptomatic illnesses, the number of medical visits, number of hospitalizations and deaths associated with that, with that year's flu season. Uh, it goes from 2010 like 2010 to 2011, all the way down through the years to 2019 to 2020. Now, if you just look at the numbers and you scroll over to deaths, it shows that from 2010 to 2011, 
there were an estimated 37,000 deaths associated with influenza in the United States in the in that year. And it also shows you that there's a, a, a separate set of numbers just to the right of that that shows 32,000 to 51,000. Now, that means that this number, 37,000, is actually just kind of an average within a range, essentially, of estimates to how many people likely died of influenza. And it shows you that throughout the years, it's generally staying, you know, in the 30,000s, 40,000s, sometimes it gets up to as much as 61,000. That was in the year 2017 to 2018. That's the estimated number of influenza deaths. But then in 2011 to 2012, it goes as low to as low as 12,000 estimated deaths. So you're really looking at a wide range here of numbers that are estimated. And the important thing to note here, or the most important thing at least, is that these are estimations. And we know this because there's been a lot of reporting on this very question that you're asking, like what, what is, what's up with the influenza of 2020? Like who, who got the flu and how bad was it? And did anyone actually die from it? There's an article that was written in scientific American. It's called comparing COVID-19 deaths to flu deaths is like comparing apples to oranges. It's an opinion piece. Granted, it was written by Jeremy Samuel Faust. It was on April 28th, 2020. So this is pretty early in, you know, the quarantining and coronavirus epidemic. But it's somebody who was early, who early on was looking at this question. And one of the major things that Jeremy points out in this op-ed is that it's very difficult for doctors and experts with the CDC and other health experts who are looking at things like this to estimate the number of influenza deaths in any year. And that's because just like with COVID-19, as we discussed in our previous episodes, it's tough to know whether someone has passed away due to influenza or due to COVID-19 and the coronavirus, or if it was something else completely unrelated, they just happened to have the virus. Um, there, there are also a lot of deaths that go unreported, especially in elderly communities where uh, it's unknown if you know this is actually something that caused the death or it was some other unrelated thing. Um, there are just a lot of questions there. And the biggest question for me is, that I've been unable to find an exact answer to is why, why are influenza numbers or why do they seem to be so low this year compared to other years when there are so many COVID-19 uh, infections? And the, the best answer that I've gotten so far is that the measures that all of us have been taking to prevent the spread of coronavirus have also hugely uh, decreased the number of influenza uh, spreader events, essentially, or the number of transmissions from person to person. Fair. That that makes sense to me, right? Mm -hmm. That probably makes sense to you. But that's the best answer that I've gotten thus far. Yeah, there, there are a couple of other things we could add to this. Uh, first off, I love the point about estimates. Estimates always have a margin of error on some part. And then add to this... There is one phrase used, Matt, that I, I want to draw everyone's attention to, 
which is associated with, mm-hmm. associated with influenza, associated with COVID. So not everyone who dies of the flu necessarily dies of, of the actual infection of the flu, nor is this the actual infection of COVID that always kills people. There can be comorbid conditions, right? We know that, um, we know that for instance, maybe uh, obesity or existing pneumonia can play a huge role in these sorts of things. So what, what we're really saying here, Luke, is that uh, at this point, yeah, I would, agree with, I would agree with Matt. While the science shows us so far that these are distinct infections, they are related enough that some of the countermeasures people have taken against COVID also function as countermeasures against flu, right? Tra- you're, you're reducing transmission risk uh, through saliva or aerosol, and you're also not in close contact with a bunch of people, uh, which is great for me, but I understand not everybody's bag of badgers. Uh, the thing, though, is we have to understand now, regardless what anybody's beliefs, opinions are, or even regardless what the latest research is, we're still laboring under a fog of uncertainty. There are people working around the clock to understand more of stuff like this. Um we have, you know, we looked into, you might find this interesting, we looked into this work of fiction a while back that was considered to be extraordinarily prescient. It was about a virus that started in China that was named uh, something like COVID. And then we later found that that book had been um, revised and edited to be more relevant in the current day. That's another thing I would be aware of the past can be changed. And changing mm. the past is a little bit more difficult nowadays, but not as difficult as you think. Uh, we know that if you, if you want to look further down the line, the dystopian timeline of these infections, then consider this. Uh, COVID-19 was not the first of its type, okay? We're taught, like, if you, if you like cars, folks, think about this. Um, Anybody, anybody will obviously say that the newest Cadillac, the 2020 or 2021 Cadillac, is a world away from the uh, first iteration of Cadillacs. Let me flex just a second. Yeah, because the first one was badass. <laughs> the first Cadillacs are like more than a, a century old, you know, at this point. They're very different, but they're still Cadillacs. So there are things like MERS that existed before that broke out. Uh, there are other things, other... Rec- the original SARS. The original SARS, right? Original recipe SARS, we can call it. Uh, and then flu variants are like this as well. That's why Stephen King's uh, post-apocalyptic novel, The Stand, is about a flu infection. Uh, experts will tell you one of the most depressing similarities between COVID-19 and influenza is that they're uh, they're punchy, you know what I mean. On a biological mm. level, these guys are nimble; and they yeah. are quick to mutate. So it, it, we know that for multiple factors, we know that some other pandemic would be on the way. I've I've even read people saying this is some sort of training uh, training initiative to get people uh, to to normalize the idea 
of massive plagues. I don't think this is the case because these governments are terrible at cooperating with each other most of the time, uh, but it is statistically inescapable that other things are coming. The thing that I wish more people were talking about is that the next thing down the line, yeah, man, it might actually be a, a, a nasty, uh, souped-up version of influenza. And it might be yeah. something that just can't be medicated around. I think it's a fair question to ask uh, how these things are related because they have similar symptoms, especially if you don't have the the equipment, right, to do testing and stuff like that. But as far as, a, you know, on the show, of course, we don't always agree with each other, but I think we're on the same page here. As far as we can see, uh, and this is not based on just our own research, I've been uh, reaching out to uh, some some folks, some audience members of the show who work in this field professionally. As far as I can see, uh, all the evidence points to SARS-CoV being its, its own thing. Uh, and the reason that we haven't seen more reports of flu is to Matt's excellent point about the countermeasures that were deployed, especially during flu season, those were still around. Uh, the the second point I would I would note is the problem of finite resources for these institutions. I guarantee you, a lot of the people who were working on influenza related things, they got what could be described as an oh email that yeah. meant they were now working on COVID. If that yeah, makes sense, for sure. To speak directly to you, Luke, and anybody else out there who's feeling that same way, I would say that early on in this whole situation, I shared a lot of your skepticism and un uncertainty and uh, just questioning officially what's being told to me. It felt very weird. It, feel, it still feels like a weird situation, right? This whole thing feels unreal, feels like a movie. Um, what I would say is that I've had very, very close people in my world um, become infected with this thing. And I've seen the effects firsthand. And I think a lot of you listening right now have probably experienced, you know, some some close brushes with this thing, if not fought your own battle with it. Um, I would you you mentioned you're not seeing a lot of stuff in your local news. Um, you know, I we don't all have the same experience, right? But one of the big strengths of having a group like this, you know, where we can communicate with one another and, and get experiences and share them is being able to see through other people's perspective, right? So I would just say reach out. Maybe maybe just because you're not seeing it in your local area doesn't mean that it's, you know, not real or not what uh, what somebody says it is. Uh, it just means that it's not, you know, thankfully not affecting you or your local area. Um, and that's really a, a blessing more than anything else. Because um, this thing has ravaged a lot of people. I, I don't really know where I'm going here. Just, Luke, if, if you're still feeling like maybe it's not real, I don't know. Just reach out to some people and here's where it gets crazy, maybe. That might be a good way. Or just start a discussion and see what everybody else is saying. Here's where it gets crazy is our Facebook page for anybody who wants to hop on and have have these kind of discussions again with the best part of the show, which is you, specifically you. Uh, you know, I have to say on a personal note, I think I speak for both of us here, uh, we're continually surprised and in no small way grateful for the level of discussion 
that mm-hmm. goes on. Like people are hearing each other out and saying, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, what do you think about it? You know, and that kind of discussion, I guarantee you is infinitely more valuable than people going in and, and trying to talk trash uh, because yep. I don't have uh, I don't have any peer reviewed studies for this yet. I'm sure one's out there, but I guarantee you. Nobody is as funny on the Internet as we like to think we are, me included. So, so uh, oh. uh, honest discussion is probably for the best. Matt, what do you say we uh, take a take a pause for a word from our sponsor and then uh, try try out this new thing we're working on? Let's do it. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Snag a Job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, temp to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop. Podcast producer? Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 2424. Two four to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. And we have returned, folks. Uh, so we teased something at the top of today's segment. Um, we... We get so many, so very many awesome calls, correspondencies, you know, and, and as we all like we say, feel free to reach out to us. We'll tell you how at the end of the show. You can always, of course, reach out to me directly on social media if you want. Uh, one thing. Not we- me. Leave me alone. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just joking. If you can find me, I'm available. <laughs> I just do want to volunteer. You guys. Uh, so uh, one thing that we one thing that bothered me about the structure of listener mail and maybe you too, Matt, is that we, 
we're kind of limiting ourselves to three three pieces of correspondence from you. So we wanted to take the end of today's show to introduce a new segment where we found some we found some trends. You know, a lot of us are calling in about the the same sort of thing, like uh, psychedelics or the Marshall Islands, and sharing stories that we think you would enjoy hearing, that we think are important, and they're stories that maybe you don't need to hear from us on because we we talked yeah. about we want to share these stories directly with you okay so what we're going to do is play a couple of these voicemails back to back and we will be right back with you you ready for it here we go these are messages related to in some way to the topic we covered on the marshall islands and nuclear testing hi uh, my name's kelsey i'm from arkansas um i've lived here my whole life I was just listening to your podcast episode, um, Mystery Mayhem and Nuke, the story of the Marshall Islands, which um, I found really interesting because I actually went to college up in Northwest Arkansas and um, in Fayetteville. And next to it was a town called Springdale. And um, a couple of years in, I started going to and from Springdale. The first year I was kind of just in Fayetteville, getting used to it. And um, I went to uh, Springdale and I was looking at all the people and that's when my friends started telling me about the Marshallese people and like that it there was just a bunch of Marshallese Islanders people you know I want to be correct about it but um, Marshallese people who were moved there and I don't know how long they've been there or anything but I've always thought personally that uh, they were kind of just like moved to a remote location because it is Nobody knows about Springdale, Arkansas. Nobody thinks about Springdale. And uh, I don't know. They just kind of hit them in there. Um, I just thought I would say that. Um, you may know that already, but um, love your show. Listen to y'all all the time. Bye. Hey, you guys. Um, my name is Mariah. I love the show. Um, I actually can't get enough of S-T-D-W-I-C-K. Um, but you're welcome to use my voice. I just got done listening to your Marshall Islands episode, and it was super fascinating. I um, I come from a family of eight children, and six of us are adopted, and um, three of them actually are from the Marshall Islands. Um, and my mom, it's, so we grew up in Nevada, which so we knew all about um, kind of the nuclear testing, but um, my mom, we've talked about this a lot. Um, she went over there and, um, for each three, each of the three siblings, um, they flew out there to the Marshall Islands and it was an experience like they had never had. Um, my mom has told me just kind of what goes on there and the people there. And, um, my siblings all seem to have a lot of learning disabilities. And my mom thinks that, um, they, well, she doesn't know, but she definitely feels like um, some of it could have stemmed from the nuclear testing that they have done in the Marshall Islands. So um, I guess my biggest thing is just wondering um, if there's any information on um, adoptions, adoption of Marshallese children in the United States um, with learning disabilities. Uh and whether or not that could be correlated to um, nuclear testing uh, in the Marshall Islands. So, um, again, love the show. I'm a big fan, and I just 
cannot believe all the research you guys do for your shows and just the amount of information that I, I just feel so much more enlightened and you guys are just doing a amazing job. So um, thanks. Bye. And we're back. Thank you, Chelsea. Thank you so much, Brian. Yeah. I didn't know much about Springdale, Ben. Uh, I honestly, it was, it's pretty tough to hear Mariah's story um, about her, her family there. Um, but man, both of you can't thank you enough for leaving those messages and, and talking to us. And I'm really glad that everybody gets to hear them. And we're going to keep doing this in the future. There was only two mm-hmm. in this particular instance. Get ready for some of these. We're going to start loading them up. If you're calling in and a bunch of other people are calling in about the same thing, we might just play a lot of them towards the end of one of these segments <laughs> because you guys have, like Ben said, you have great things to say. We really appreciate your your comments and your opinions and your perspectives. So we want to keep going in this trend. Yep. The big one might be psychedelics. Uh, oh, gosh. Already. I'm just making the call on that. Uh, yes. Yeah. Be part of this conversation. Uh, you can find us on the internet in a number of ways. And personally, uh, this is just me speaking. One of my favorite things is to hear about new topics you think your fellow listeners will enjoy in a future episode. So how do I get in contact with you guys, you're asking? Well, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, You can find us on YouTube, where we are, youtube.com, conspiracy stuff. Uh, you can find us on Instagram as Conspiracy Stuff Show, I think. Uh, and mm-hmm. of course, we'd like to recommend Here's Where It Gets Crazy. Some of the best mods in the business. Some of the best conversations happening on the uh, weirdly divisive at times social platform known as Facebook. You can find us as individuals, too. If you want to hit me up directly on Twitter, I'm at HSW. You want to hit me up directly on Instagram. I am in a burst of creativity, as I like to say at Ben Bolin. Uh, shout out also to our listener, Lee, who just made a new camel license for me. I lost one. What? I lost a camel riding license when I was like six and I was really broke up about it. So this guy made me a new one. Nice dude. Nice one. Whoa. Well, c- congratulations. Uh, I've been in the market for one of those too, Lee, but that's cool. Make one for Ben. That's all good. It's fine, man. We, we can share it. Can we do that? We can share no. I don't know camel licensing laws, but, but uh, Matt, so. Matt, where can, uh, where can people find you online? Oh, you can find me at the aforementioned voicemail. The one that Ernest, Luke, Chelsea, and Mariah all used today. It is 1-833-STDWYTK. You can call us, leave a message, and we've got kind of a, a specific rubric that you can use if you'd like. Uh, it will help us out and it'll increase the chances that your voicemail gets on the air. Uh, ben, correct me here if I'm if I misspeak any of this stuff, but I believe we would love for you to introduce yourself uh, either as your real name or your nickname, whichever one you want us to use on the air. Uh, if if you want to be anonymous, just use a fun nickname. Why not? L- let's do it. We'll call you by that. You'll know that we're talking to Beetlejuice and it's you. Um, let's see. Then go ahead and just tell your message, whatever it's going to be. Uh, remember to keep it uh, as short as you can. And then if you want to talk directly to Ben, Nolan, myself and like have a personal message, try and keep it towards the end. That way, Paul or, you know, Alexis or whoever is going to edit it can chop that stuff off. Then what was the last thing, Ben? Oh, 
if if it's too if it's a very long story, we would recommend you don't leave it on voicemail because we're probably not going to be able to play the whole thing for one of these episodes. If you have a longer story, please send it via email. And we'll tell you what that email is in just a moment. It's just easier for us to digest, and then we can pare it down and tell the whole story a little bit easier that way. And you won't have to edit yourself into three minutes. Believe us, as old school video guys, there's nothing quite as ugh, quite as infuriating as knowing something should be 10 minutes and having to make it three. So this is the, this is the way that you can contact us write to us in full love long emails uh we're all readers it doesn't it, it doesn't matter you don't have to edit yourself when you decide to send a message to us we are a good old-fashioned email address which is conspiracy at iheartradio.com Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.